We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for December 14th, 2014. And the first report, just kind of a blend of different current events today, some really heavy-duty stuff we're going to be getting into. Uh, first, I wanted to mention this uh, spending bill that was just passed uh, and uh, out of Congress. And this is entitled Winter Festival of Unrestrained U.S. Government Spending. Government goodies for all. Money is once flowing, once more flowing out of Congress through all manner of follies and outrages thanks to an omnibus spending bill that funds practically everything through September of 2015. Throwing away every scrap, and this is the key, throwing away every scrap of leverage the incoming Republican majority could possibly exercise against Emperor Obama ensuring that no one outside the authors of the Democratic Party fundraising email spam will be talking about shutdowns and effectively neutering the freshly elected conservatives, all by design. So in other words, this big victory that supposedly the Republicans just had in the midterms, that's null and void, essentially. Uh, I'm not saying no good could come out of it, but this was done by design on purpose in order to make this this happen so that they have essentially no power when they get in there. The GOP leadership can get through another year with its favorite excuse for not standing up and fighting for anything because our hands are tied. Sure, the knots are are a bit clumsy, but that's to be expected when you tie your own hands. They're all on the same team is the point that's being made. This, I believe the victory was given so that people would more let their guard down. Uh, I'm not saying there was no truth or validity to these victories. I think the American populace is becoming more desperate for um, change, hopefully in the right direction to a certain extent. Um, And maybe they actually allowed these victories. The reason I say that is because they can rig the vote. We've went into that so many times, there's been so many instances of it and uh, all of the voting fraud that, that can and will take place. But in this regard, if, if they let these victories happen, yet they're still all, basically, their hands are all tied, um, what, what is it going to matter? So this is why this has all been permitted, allowed, and this is why um, they're doing this now. And the spending bill was so important for that to happen. It'll be good enough for the permanent beltway culture riding on their one-horse open sleighs down streets coated with fresh with a fresh blizzard of taxpayer dollars jingling all the way. Americans, with some vague memory of how the system is supposed to work, might be wondering what happened to the sober deliberation of budgets, the careful spending of every dollar. This never happened, but this is how it's supposed to be. Um, and even the basic rules of accounting. And maybe it happened, you know, I don't know hundreds of years ago. I don't think in any recent memory this has happened. But it's gotten so much worse, I think is the point here. Um, it used to not be this flagrant. Welcome to the new millennium, as we don't do things that way anymore. And again, you know, it's been probably hundreds of years since it was done that way. Government by perpetual crisis is so much more exciting and lucrative for the ruling class. Now we wait until the hands of the fiscal doomsday, doomsday clock stand at one minute to midnight And the political class has to fund everything with, quote, emergency spending bills, scribbled in blind haste 
and post it on a glitchy website for public review and about a half-hearted ritual of transparency. It's, again, all by design. They're waiting to the last second. They're creating all of this crisis to bring their order out of chaos, which is their, their motto, essentially, which is how they, they conduct themselves. We live in the shadow of, of Cromnibus, an appropriately clunky word that combines continuing resolution emergency tactics with omnibus spending irresponsibility. The Cromnibus is a flabby beast with a gaping maw that has many tentacles to feed itself but it lacks ears, eyes, and a frontal lobe. Anyone who raises the slightest objection to this panicky spending bonanza is denounced as a penny-pinching extremist monster who just wants to kill children, puppies, and kittens for fun by shutting down the government that keeps them alive. You don't want Obama to throw barricades around your national parks and memorials again, do you? No. Then shut up and spend. That's the message. So I wanted to at least mention that, kind of throw my two cents in. I think that guy put it pretty well, what actually just happened. Uh, more of the same. More of the same. And more of the same Obama being able to continue doing what he's doing. Okay, so the next report, which which is related to this, is entitled Banner-Obama Deals Have Increased uh, U.S. Debt. Federal debt has increased by $3.8 trillion. In the 3.8 years that have passed since House Speaker John Boehner cut his first spending deal with the Senate Democrats and President Obama. So Boehner and Obama all on the same team. Okay, um, Our debts only increased $3.8 trillion in the last 3.8 years. That works out to $32,938 for every household in the United States including those taking federal welfare benefits, and $42,783 for every full-time year-round private sector worker in the United States. In fact, that $42,783 figure that the federal government has borrowed per full-time worker, private sector worker, since Boehner cut his first federal spending deal, exceeds the $41,916 mark that, according to the Census Bureau, was the median annual earnings of full-time year private sector wage and salary workers in 2013. So the debt per person is greater than even what the average um, full-time year private sector worker is making. I mean, they're just, well, they're, they're printing money out of thin air. On their, their illegal. I mean, this is basically it's what they're doing is just counterfeiting. They're counterfeiting whatever money they need. The money in the United States is like counterfeit money. That's what counterfeiters do, right? They go to their printing press and they print money out of thin air. Well, that's what we do. That's what America does. The private Federal Reserve does that for them. It's private. It's not government. It's private. And working together with the big bankers and the IMF and the 13 families of the Illuminati, they're just trying to milk this for all that they can milk it for until it ultimately crashes. Boehner became the Speaker in January of 2011 after the Republicans won a majority of the House of Representatives in the midterm elections of 2010. Ever since March 4, 2011, all federal spending that has been authorized by laws passed by the Republican-controlled House that Boehner leads. So, it's a Republican-controlled House that Boehner leads, and this is 
all the federal spending has been authorized by them. So you can't just blame Obama on this. Sure, he's he's part of it, but Boehner and the Republicans, the the House controlled. We didn't just gain control of the House. We had that. That was what we did. That was the one thing Republicans did have. I shouldn't say we, because I don't even want to associate with them. They're just, it's the same corrupt coin, two different sides. One is presenting itself as conservative. One is presenting itself as liberal. You know, and obviously, yes, a Christian would be able to identify with the conservative side more because they're they're typically pro-life and anti-gay. Of course, that's, all of that's being eroded as well, though. So that's where we're at. And there's a little chart here, if you want to see, I reposted it. And it shows how federal debt has increased by $3.8 trillion in the 3.8 years since March 11 spending deal. Um, just mind-boggling numbers here. Next report. And again, this is uh, a little bit of rehashing, a little bit of new information. Um, that I like to do, I try to do something, maybe not every year, because I, I don't want to beat the same tired horse over and over again, but I don't know, every year, every two years, maybe every three, I do something, I usually always put out an email in a newsletter format, something on, should a Christian celebrate Xmas? Okay? Um, the word Christmas actually means death of Christ. Okay, so I don't even like to use the word, really. When you say Mary, Chris, you know, you know what, you're saying Mary, death of Christ. I've done teachings on that. Um, that's really not debatable if you break down the word. Okay, so that's what Mary Xmas means. Mary, death of Christ. So should a Christian celebrate Christmas? 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. This is one of Satan's greatest devices. This is one of Satan's devices that, um, I would say, if there's anything that I've ever had feedback on over the years that will split a family apart, if somebody who is a Christian takes a stand on this. Now, If the other ones say they're Christians, that's irrelevant. Because this will split a secular as well as a Christian family apart, from what I've seen. There's really no difference. Because the ones that call themselves Christians do this and think that there's nothing wrong with it, despite the overwhelming amount of information and evidence that this is, in fact, a pagan holiday. And we are not to learn the way of the heathen, as the Bible says. Does that mean that we're perfect, or that I think I'm perfect and puritanical? No, but I'm not. I I just don't do this anymore. Haven't done it for years. Yes, it created a gigantic problem in my own family when I did this. Before my parents had passed away, before they were saved and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, I stopped. And And it was a big deal for them, and none of them are religious, you know, it's amazing how a holiday that's supposedly about the birth of Christ, the secular people have no problem doing it. Well, you throw sand and all the other stuff in there, jumble it all together and mix it up in this big satanic pot. You know, there's nothing that's going to really offend anybody. It's pretty basically how it goes. Galatians 4.16 says, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Now, I've done teachings on this. Xmas, the biggest pagan holiday, which stands for Holy Day, 
That's where we get the word holiday. It's a holy day. To the pagans. That's where the word comes from. Biggest pagan holy, holy day, holiday year. Um, that one was old. That was like from 2006. I re-listened to a whole bunch of it the other day. Really some cute moments from Taylor in there. Anyway, um, and then... Taylor's giving me the eye. Anyway, and then the PDF for Xmas should have celebrate. Cel- so there's a PDF, there's an audio teaching there. Yes, it's a little dated, but the information's obviously just as appropriate. Um, I wasn't exactly maybe as polished, and not to say I'm polished now, but, you know, it was a little more rough back then, my audios. Uh, sound quality wasn't as good, but, I mean, it's obvious you can hear it clearly, I think. I, I was able to. And then... The other one, um, an end-time current event newsletter from 12-28-2010, there was a part in there where I got into the the whole thing of, was Jesus born on December 25th? We equivocally proved that that could not be possible. There's no way. Um, now, let's let's look at, what is a pagan, how does a pagan feel about this whole subject? You know? How, how do, what do pagans think about Christmas and Yule? If it's really the birth of Jesus Christ, it would be something that you would think they would typically despise. You know what I mean? They'd really, they'd really have an axe to grind this time of year. But let's, let's look at what they say. And you can go up on that. We're going to listen to some videos. A uh, listener of mine, Brian, made a, a good two-part video on this whole thing. And you can, you can, you're going to hear some of these pagans talk and see what they say and, and see how they feel about it. To start the study, let's look at some quotes from a book entitled Sabbats, which is, is another word for Sabbaths. A witch's approach to living the old ways by Idgen McCoy, a practicing witch. Page 53 reads, quote, Yule is a time of mixed emotions for pagans. All around us we see evidence of the Christmas celebration, one which we know takes its form and meaning from ancient pagan practices. It, to them... You're not going to go to a pagan and win this argument. No, it's totally Christian and you guys never did nothing about it. Oh, really? Prepare to get schooled. If there's a if the pagan's worth his salt in any way, shape, or form. Prepare to get schooled by the pagan who knows the true origins of this holiday. Okay? And they'd be totally in the right. You know, I would sit there and agree with them because most of them know probably a hundred percent more about the true origins of Christians than Christians do. Quote Christians, the ones that haven't sought this out. I'm not talking about my listeners. Okay, I'm talking about people that don't have a clue. If you're new to this broadcast, I'm I'm sorry. This may come off as like whatever. Listen to my teachings on this. Go through the PDFs. Listen to what we're saying here. Just. You know, try to have an open mind here, because this is something that, that's so easy to prove. So, Yule is a time of mixed emotions for pagans. All around us we see evidence of the Christmas celebration, one which we know takes its form in the meaning from ancient pagan practices. Virgin births, decorated trees. Yes, the pagans even have the virgin birth thing. That's they, Remember, Satan always has a knockoff. Okay? He's always trying to counterfeit the things of God. Decorated trees, festive lights, feasting, wreaths. You know what wreaths stand for? It's almost inappropriate for me to even get into that. It's basically a representation of the female anatomy. 
And when you hang candles on the outside or, or on the wreath, it's the symbol, it's the phallic symbol, the unity of the male and the female. That's what a wreath with candles on it symbolizes. Okay? I go into, I used to when I go, went to 501c3 churches and things of this nature a long time ago. I, I, you go in there and it's like there's these wreaths everywhere. It's like, oh. You try to tell the pastor and they're, oh, they're just forget it, you know. Just forget it, you know. Yes, you, you can't even bring that up. No way. No, you know how many parishioners I'd lose if, if I came and took a stand against Xmas. Do you know, boy? <laughs> I mean, seriously, I've been treated that way before. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you tell them. I mean, this is, this is the, the, the sacred cow of all things in the Christian church. I mean, it is like, Forget it. Don't speak against it. Don't. It doesn't matter how much you overwhelm them with facts. That's irrelevant. Don't confuse them with the facts. Their minds are made up. They'll find every justification in the world to do this. And so, decorated trees, festive lights, feasting, wreaths, bells, fragrant fires, uh, were and still are at the heart of pagan midwinter observances. Um, for pagans, and this is page 59 of this book, for pagans, the usurping of Yule by Christians, now Yule, they used to have the Yule log in the Druidic time and these types of things where they would literally uh, hollow out the log, put a person in it, and burn him in the fire as a part of their human sacrifice for Yule. It's, it's a, it's a hum, not high night of human sacrifice. It still is. Um, that's what the old Yule Log, in part, represents, just so you know. Just like a bonfire, which actually stands for bone fire. Or, if you're wondering about this in Halloween, how they're tied together, we're going to get a little bit into that in this study. Then you go key, do a keyword search for Halloween. And then the Wicker Man, how they would burn people alive in this Wicker Man. And this is where all these traditions started from. Okay? So... Let's go further. The, the usurping of Yule by Christians, because we have usurped, I mean, I'm not going to say me, yeah, I mean, I grew up, Christmas tree, the whole nine yards, uh, secular household, um, couldn't wait till Christmas morning, I'm not acting like I never, I've never, I'm so good and I've, I'm so goody-goody, I never did any of this stuff, okay? I know that feeling. When I was a little kid, I can reckon back to all that and, and the, that feeling of anticipation and Santa Claus coming and, 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 you know, it's, it's a big self-centered deal, really, if you think about it. It's all about me, 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 give me presents, give me more stuff. But I remember that as a child growing. I remember Christmas being the most special day of the year, the day you look forward to more than any other day. I remember all that. Okay, so I get it. <laughs> I mean, again, and I've come out of like every, false religion about that you could come out of that has any kind of Christian veneer on it. Lutheran middle school, Catholic high school, hardcore Pentecostal, independent fundamental, I mean, I'm not saying that that's all bad, independent fundamental Baptist, unregistered, un, you know, I've just, the point is, I've been like the full gamut of different parts of Christianity. I've seen a lot. I think God let me go through all that so that I could help other other people and so that I would have some perspective if they email me and say, well, you don't know, you've never... Well, yeah, actually I have. You know? I haven't been an Episcopalian. 
or whatever, or haven't been some of these other ones, but, you know, Luther Middle School kind of got an idea there, a little bit. So anyway, let's go further. Um, all of these things were and still are at the heart of the pagan midwinter observances. Okay, what? Decorate trees, virgin births, festive lights, feasting wreaths, bells, fragrance. See, that's, that's at the heart of the pagans' midwinter worship services. Midwinter meaning the winter solstice, the day that the, the, the shortest day of the year, and it marks the moment when the days will start to get longer. That's a big deal for the pagans. Any solstice is a big deal for the pagans. Okay? So, we're going to look at that more as well. For pagans, the usurping of Yule by Christians has one great advantage. It has preserved for us the many ancient Yule customs which might have otherwise been forgotten. So us, quote, no, I'm not going to say us, Christians in general. Let's say your average 501c3 churchgoer. Um, corporate 501c3 church churchgoer. Have preserved, and the secular crowd, have preserved the many ancient Yule customs which have might otherwise been forgotten. So it's reinvigorated the pagans in that regard. <laughs> so they, they don't forget their traditions, you know? They look to us. They look to the, to, to the, to the Christians and, and the secularists for inspiration <laughs> during this time of year. <laughs> it's basically what they're saying. Look in any book in Christian Christmas customs around the globe and you'll find a plethora of pagan traditions. Page 85 and 86. Music is another important part of Yule. The Christmas carols are yet another idea taken from paganism. Many common Christmas carols would contain pagan images that are not so subtle. Carols are from an old French word meaning joyous songs. They were also the name of round dances celebrating the rebirth of the Frankish pagan gods. So we get the Christmas carols from the pagans as well. The early English Christmas carol, Deck the Halls with Balls of Holly, contains not one Christian religious image. Note, that is because the images mentioned are pagan in their origin, as we will see. Continuing, when Yule rolls around, you'll feel free to have a lighted tree in your home, hang a wreath on your door, ring the jingle bells, give gifts of memory of loved ones, Kiss under the mistletoe. Remember that this is a Sabbat, or a Sabbath. A pagan festival. A, a unholy pagan festival, but one of the highest. A time that marks the return of the sun god, both to his glorious bride and to his joyous, joyous people. It is actually more the birth. It's, it's symbolic of the rebirth of the sun god which has taken many, many forms and many, many names. We're going to get into that. Tammuz being one of the main ones. The rebirth... And see, this is where the Catholics came along when they were trying to meld paganism and Christianity together, their state religion, okay? After 318 AD with um, uh, Constantine. And... This is where it slowly started to happen. The melding of those two cultures together. And they're pagan with Christian and Christianizing pagan holidays. And Saturnalia was known as the rebirth of the sun god. Tammuz, it's taken many, many forms in different cultures. Okay, Whereas 
the Catholics then went and said, no, no, this is the rebirth of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. This is the birth of the... Isn't that what it's supposed to be? The birth of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ was born? Even though from a time schedule we've you know, it's been proven over and over. There's no way that could actually be the date. Probably the least likely date of it. So isn't that ironic? That it's actually the rebirth of the sun god, Tammuz, not the son of God, although they say it is. And again, it's just a big, you know, it's a counterfeit by Satan is what we're dealing with here. Uh, let's see here. Remember that, okay, so this is the Sabbat, a pagan festival, a time that marks the return of the sun god, both to his glorious bride and to his joyous, joyous people. Why do they say it remarks the return of the sun god? Not only is it the rebirth of the sun god, but it's the return. He returns every year this time. Why? Because the days are going to start growing longer. From that day, from the winter solstice, Yule, from that day forward, the days will start to grow longer. The sun god has returned. Get it? Alright, so let's go further. Okay, so continuing on, we're going to, same, uh, we're going to stop quoting from the witch's book, but we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the origins now of December 25th. And this is from a, uh, a chick newsletter, a part, partial um, text of a chick newsletter, chick.com, the, one the ones that make the tracks. It starts out by saying, she was known to the Aztecs is Cotlicuay. In the form of Cotlicuay, she was a virgin goddess who became pregnant. Again, a satanic knockoff. Now, the Aztecs had no, no knowledge, you know what I mean, of Jesus Christ, or of even what the Bible would have predicted about him. But they had their own, but see, Satan did. So, they had their own virgin goddess who became pregnant. The son she bore was the chief god of the Aztecs, reincarnated as a baby. Sounds a lot like Semiramis, Tammuz, and Nimrod. Okay? Where we get the first kind of unholy trinity of the Bible. She was the goddess of the moon and the morning-evening star, Venus. People who spoke different languages called her by other names. Throughout the ages, it's just Satan has a different satanic package for this essentially same goddess that we're dealing with here. Some of them are Hakate, um, Astarte, Aphrodite, Venus, Isis, Semiramis, Ishtar, which is where we get the fertility goddess, which is where we derive the word Easter from, Ishtar. Okay? She was also known as the Roman Catholic Virgin Mary goddess. Her son had many names as well. Some of them are Horus. Harpocrates, not Hippocrates, but Harpocrates, Mithras, Sol Invictus, Hercules, Attis, Tammuz. What did these god babies have in common? Well, for one, they were all born on December 25th. All of them. Which is where we derive the pagan celebration of Christmas from, which was originally known by the Romans as Saturnalia. Remember, it's the birth of the sun god. Okay, whether you want to call him Horus, Mithras, Sol Invictus, Hercules, Attis, Tammuz, whatever, it's the birth of the sun god, not the son of God, even though they'll try to convince you of that. Okay, one of the Illuminati's human nights of sacrifice is December 21st, 22nd. Remember about the Yule log? Well, it's Yule. 
burn burn the person in the Yule log. Burn the you know. That's the pro- probably I'd say the most proper way to do it. December twenty first, twenty second, also known as Yule, when the sun begins its northward trek in the sky and days begin to grow longer again. Remember, we have more sun now. The sun god's returning. The days are getting longer. Okay, that's how that all works. And the pagans would say, oh, this means that, um, well, here, let me just read this. Pagans celebrated the winter solstice by burning the Yule log. Okay? Preferably with somebody in the Yule log as a human sacrifice. Since the sun had reversed itself and was now rising in the sky, the pagans had the audacity to believe that this was a sign that the human sacrifices carried out on Samhain, or Halloween, had been accepted by the gods. So in other words, it was their witchcraft that that is causing now the days to get... This is how demonically and satanically deluded and how prideful you become when you give yourself over to Satan. You actually start thinking that the sun, even though it kind of does it every year, regardless of if there's any human sacrifices going on, the days are getting longer because the gods have accepted our sacrifices we did at Halloween, our human sacrifices. I mean, what flagrant, satanically deluded audacity, pride, arrogant, to, to think that my something I did now is making the sun, the days grow longer. I mean, you talk about delusional, you know. No, God kind of established all of that. It has nothing to do with your stupid sacrifices. I'm not talking to my listeners, but anybody that would believe that. The Roman Catholic Church later changed the day of celebration to December 25th, calling it Christ Mass or Christmas. Roman Catholicism is a demonic blend of ancient pagan religions made to look like Christianity. Exactly. It's why I rail against it so much. Now, there is a good video. The first video I ever really saw on this, I give you a link to. Uh, by Doc Marquis, America's Occult Holidays. I'm not giving some blanket endorsement of Doc Marquis, but he was supposedly a generational Luciferian, I mean, brought up in, like, the real blue-blood, aristocratic, Illuminati-type Satanism. And um, this is a video he did with a prophecy club years ago where he got into this. This is the first, if you watch this, this would be the first probably one of the first videos I had ever seen where it really got into the individual uh, holy days, holidays, they're holy days for the pagans, or Luciferians, or Satanists, or whatever you want to call them. I mean, they still celebrate these. And um, gives you the breakdown of them, the, uh, the spacing of them from a time chronological order, how they're interspersed in with the solstices, the significance of each one, what is required regarding what type of sacrifices are required at each one. And he gets into all that. So I'll give you a link here. Uh, it's going to be on page, uh, probably going to end up being on page four of the uh, PDF document for December 14th, 2014. If you want to avail yourself to that, it's a, it's a good uh, video to watch. Um, and then also my listener... Uh, Brian Moonan, uh, who is uh, also has a series of videos that I, a lot of times you'll see me repost his videos in my teachings. He's he's doing some really good work up there, and um, he just released 
uh, part one and part two regarding the pagan origins of Christmas. And I saw something about, I think Chris Putnam the other day did this big rebuttal of Christmas has no pagan origins, and I'm going to prove, oh, really? Really? I cannot believe somebody that I would have somewhat respected as, as a thorough researcher would actually even debate this. I just, it's unbelievable, this holiday, what people will do to justify it. So they can justify having, I mean, they will rob Peter to pay Paul to justify this one. This is like the deal breaker of all deal breakers, this stinking holiday. I'm so sick of it. From that regard, um, <laughs> it's it's just, it's pathetic. And, and this isn't, honestly, really, we're going to really debate this? Like, this is really something that you really want to say? So I guess all these pagans that are, that are they're just talking out the side of the mouth. They're just doing this to attack Christ. And then, and then now with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kurt Cameron just releasing this garbage, these videos, where we need to take back Halloween. Yes, seriously. And Xmas. We need to take all those back for Christ. We need to have the biggest Halloween parties and the biggest Xmas parties. This is what Kurt Cameron's saying. Yeah, and in fact, Brian also did a video on Kurt, or uh, he's got a whole page on that on his on his um on his website about that as well. Okay, so I was able to find this uh, report he did on Kurt Cameron. Turn from your That's Brian's site. Turn from your idols. One word.com. And just a part of it, I, I wasn't even planning on getting into this, but it, he says, many like Kirk Cameron would like to promote and even sell the idea that St. Nicholas was a Christian. He, in other words, where we get the holiday tra- tradition of um, Santa Claus. Uh, as he is doing this in his new film series called Saving Christmas. They claim that this is just one reason why we should ignore history, the Bible and the Holy Spirit, to then embrace Santa Claus and believe in modern, Christianized, revised definitions of any and all Christmas traditions. But was he, or is that true? Or was he a Roman Catholic bishop? Millions of martyred true saints knew the difference, and they have the Holy Bible to back up that fact. If they took a softer, gentler, less honest approach to the absolute truth in God's words, they would have lived longer lives, perhaps Christianized, perhaps even Christianized a few pagan holidays to spread the false word as well. What were they thinking? Kurt's, Kirk's ilk must think they should have lightened up and not been such party poopers. Um, anyway, the, the, he goes on in here to say, and I really don't have time to get into all of this today, but I'll give you a link to this. And... Um, uh, you can, um, it goes a lot into more the absolute pagan origins. And <laughs> in many early depictions outside of the USA, Santa had a devilish and evil servant named Nicht Ruprecht, or Krampus. When St. Nicholas and Krampus, or Ruprecht, arrived on St. Nicholas Eve, December, uh, that was, I guess, December 5th, the children were asked to perform dancing or singing tricks. I mean, these were some heinous, evil dudes, the way Satan Claus was originally portrayed. Um, in fact, I'm going to copy and paste this part because it shows Satan yoked up with the Catholic Church and St. Nicholas with Krampus and all these th- ways that Krampus would terrify the little kitties. That was where we get our true, our true uh, origins of Christmas from. 
Good children would receive gifts from St. Nicholas. Bad children would be beaten and whipped by Rupert. If they were if they were really, really naughty, they would be carried off by him as well in his sack to hell. This is where we get a lot of the a lot of the traditions from. You know, Santa in his sack. Well, Rupert, this demonic beast, I'll, I'm going to post some pictures of him. I mean, this thing is like, it's like Baphomet on steroids. Terrorizing the little kitties would carry them off to in his sack to hell if you were really, really naughty. These are just only a few examples of the dark satanic and pagan history associated with the Catholic holiday. Just as many of the problems exist with the Americanized version of Santa Claus, it is sinful to lie to children about this false god who sees you when you're sleeping, knows when you're naughty and nice, is all-powerful and brings gifts to mankind from on high, and can shapeshift down a chimney and be everywhere omnipresently, basically at once, on the whole earth. Do you, do you see how it's like a, trying to be a knockoff of God? Satan couldn't even pull this off, because he could only be in one place at one time. Whereas Satan Claus can be everywhere omnipresently on in the whole world, essentially, in one night. Okay? Um, those who get bad get brimstone coal, and that is, you know, which is probably where you get the coal in the stocking thing. Um, little devils or elves are his helpers. Santa has white hair, wears a red vesture, and comes in the clouds like a thief in the night. These sound like characteristics of God on his throne in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, just an, a mockery of, of truth. Um... Uh, even before the mythical Santa Claus was entrenched, part of the folly-filled festival, most Bible-believing Christians were against celebrating this sinful pagan holiday. The Puritans banned Christmas from Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1659. And here's a literal picture of that actual notice of them. Um, uh, it says, public notice, the operation operation of Christmas having been deemed a sacrilege, the exchange of gifts and greetings... Uh, drifting in fine clothing, this is old English, feasting and similar satanic practices are hereby forbidden with the offender liable to a fine of five shillings. And um, here then we have Kirk Cameron doing his saving Christmas thing where he's, he looks like he's dressed up like a street thug. He's got like a one of those um, skullcap beanie hats on that says Christmas and he's throwing up the, the six sign, the okay sign which is actually a gang symbol. Um, recently, Kirk Cameron even made the case that Christians should celebrate Halloween as well. Then, in a promotional video clip released on November 5th, 2014, called Do You Love Santa Claus? Cameron opines that maybe someone like Santa Claus is actually on our team, is what Kirk Cameron says, soon after he released a follow-up video promotion detailing the history of the figure of Santa Claus, the Roman Catholic bishop, Nicholas of Myra, Turkey, under Pope Sylvester. Now, why? I wonder why good old Kirk would be going after this, knowing that this holiday is more near and dear to the Catholic Church, and near and dear to them reaching out to you as true born-again Christians, trying to get you to yoke up with them, just like they did back when the Catholic Church was formed, when they tried to get all the pagans and the Christians on the same team by amalgamating the pagan holidays, they're trying to do the same things now, and they're using people like Kirk Cameron in order to do that. To get us all yoked up with the Catholic Church. So we're all on the same team. So Kirk Cameron's being nothing, used as nothing more at this point as an absolute tool of Satan in order to make that happen.
Even if St. Nicholas was a saved man, later claimed by the Roman Catholics as their own symbol. He wasn't a saved man, but like if he was. like Let's say best case scenario. What does he have to do with the birth of Jesus Christ? And this pagan winter solstice being combined? More importantly, what does Jesus Christ have to do with a witch's sabbat called Yule? Or the lusty pagan Roman feast of Saturn or Saturnalia? Would this same Nicholas be pleased that God is being mocked by this combination of the holy with the profane? If not the child of the living God? I mean, this is some crazy stuff. Okay, so if we look back to the film itself, examine the official promotional poster for Kirk Cameron's new movie called Saving Christmas. I'm going to go ahead and put this into the into the uh, PDF for this date. I'm also going to give you the link to the main article that um, Brian put out so you can see the whole thing. But I mean, I'm looking at this, and it's Kirk Cameron, and he's like, like in the air, coming at you with literally... I guess it's, I think he's got like this globe thing in his arms, and I think it's, I think it's like the, the, the whole Christ nativity scene, like it almost looks like a crystal ball, and they're inside, he's, he's swinging a candy cane, and there's all this Christmas garbage going everywhere as he's coming toward you, and there's money flying, and there's crosses, and there's, there's Catholic crosses, and there's upside down stars, and there's all these pagan symbolism, I mean it's really straight from the pit of hell. There are occult symbols prominently displayed, but also some not so prominently. These are not subliminal. They are not subliminal by any means. They are there for a reason. Here it shows the upside-down star. Clearly, totally upside-down, which is where we get the symbol for black witchcraft, the upside-down star, which would literally be, in this case, because it doesn't have a circle around it, would be known as a pentacle. It's a symbol for black witchcraft. To the right of Kirk's head, the five-pointed star ornament is upside-down. Um... To the left of Kirk's fist clenching the candy cane, the ornament has three sixes um, in an upside-down five-pointed star pentagram. For some reason, the Holy Family Nativity scene is inside a crystal ball. What do we know that witches use to scry? They scry a crystal ball to tell your fortune. At the top the Christmas tree is a Catholic cross um, with interesting hardware with interesting hardware mounting it to the tree. Maybe some ex-Disney artist had something to do with this design. And yeah, We could go into that, but there's a lot of heinous stuff on, on Disney uh, video covers and things of this nature. The original title of the holiday was Christ Mass. As a former Catholic, I know that the word Mass is a religious term, means death sacrifice. Mary, Christ Mass literally means Mary Death of Christ. The film also seeks to paint those who have learned the facts about this holiday and separated from pagan Rome and all of her traditions as grinchy, grouchy, misled, paranoid morons who endanger our families by not going along with, quote, the joy of dancing, the celebration, the feasting, the imagination, the traditions that glorify the true reason for the season. I mean, the Bible is very clear that we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And, and this is the time of year that that probably mostly... Uh, of any other thing that you could do, this is the time of the year that you will have Christians yoked up with the secular crowd, and it's no big deal. It's no big problem. Maybe, maybe every other time of year there might be a problem in some families, but not this one. This is the one where it separates really the men from the boys as far as if you're going to avoid it, if you're going to take a stand against it. You, you might literally be ostracized by your whole family. They might not want anything to do with you at all. It's that big of a deal. 
Okay, and, and, and because it's that big of a deal, that tells me that there's a lot of satanic strongholds where this is a real deal but breaker for Satan. This is very important for Satan that you're doing this. Okay, it must be because look at all of the, the, the trouble that, that Satan has went through to bring us to this point. Um, it says, funny when actor Kirk Cameron was on the Today Show, he didn't mention the name Jesus Christ. He referred to him, I guess, as the baby. They spoke about listening to the wrong people, which are faithful Christians who know history and do not believe in paganism. In other words, I'm the wrong person because I'm exposing what this devil is doing. Okay. Later in a stage bit, he donned a mullet wig and channeled his 1980s TV sitcom character, um, which was really, what was his name? Mike Seizure? <laughs> Mike Seaver, I think, yeah. It was radically awesome, dude. Not again. Again, words matter. Um, channel, truly not a Christian word at all. Occult, yes, Christian. Occult, yes, Christian, no. So, in other words, he, it just goes on to, to say all the goofy stuff he's done. And a lot of people are waking up to this. And this is a big reason, I think, that Satan has commissioned Kirk Cameron to come out with this because a lot of people are waking up to this. So there has to be damage control. There has to be things targeted at Christians to get them back on the satanic bandwagon. Okay, so I'm going to copy and paste a portion of, of Brian's report, but I'm going I'm going to paste the copy and portion in my PDF. I already I've already talked to him about I'm going to be playing his videos and things of this nature. Um, but the main the main report, I'd encourage you to go to his website. He's got videos, he's got podcasts, he's got all kind of stuff up there, all kind of good stuff. I just saw this as well. Legend records that during the pagan festival of Yule in December, Odin, the Viking god of war, which would be like kind of like the highest god in the Viking Viking Norwegian pantheon, okay. He would fly through the night sky, leading a group of spirit creatures in an, in an event called the Wild Hunt. What, kind of like Satan Claus up there with the reindeer? Yeah, and what did Satan Claus say? Ho, ho. Well, that was his hunting cry, was ho, ho. Odin, the Viking god. Odin rides Slyphanir, a magical horse with eight legs. That's creepy. There's a picture of it here I'll repost. Eight legs. Hmm. And Santa Claus flies through the sky at night on a sleigh with eight magical reindeer. Laughing, or, laughing ho, ho, ho. I mean, it's like unbelievable. This is where we get all this garbage from. From all of these pagan traditions. Okay, sorry. Um, I, I've been trying to copy and paste, and it's not working. I'm not getting the images. So what I'm going to do is just give you a link to Rebel Within a Clause, which is his um, link to this report on Kirk Cameron. And um, we're going to kind of go from there. And uh, it's it's not an audio, but it's it's just a report where you can, like... I go over a lot of the stuff, or it goes over a lot of stuff I just covered, but it's actually in more more detail. Okay, so this will lead me, then we're going to listen to um, some of a couple of different videos Brian just put out on on Christmas, the Pagan Origins. So this is in direct refutation of Kirk Cameron, Chris Putnam, or anyone else out there that says that 
Christmas doesn't have pagan roots. So I'm going to go ahead and roll this now. Quote, at the time of persecution, Christians were detected by not decorating their houses at the Saturnalia. That's T.J. Grippen in Christmas and Christmas lore. So at the time of persecutions, okay, the true Christians were not detected, were detected by not decorating their houses at Saturnalia. It was a dead giveaway. Will it come back to that? I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, he's got no, oh, he's not a, he's bad. He needs to be gone. So this is how, this is one of the ways throughout history, and I'm sure where Catholicism prevailed, that the true Christians were actually detected by not decorating their houses. I mean, unbelievable. There's old Krampus. If you want to see a picture of Krampus, if, if you're listening to the video, you'll see off to the left this black, hairy, looks like his tongue's about you know, a good foot long, horned creature, terrifying a child here. Um, so if you want to get a picture of Krampus... Saturnalia, the pagan Roman winter solstice festival. Roman pagans first introduced the holiday of Saturnalia, a week-long period of lawlessness celebrated between December 17th through 25th. During this period, Rome... So it encompasses that whole period, December 17th to 25th. That's Yule included all the way to December 25th, where it probably met its climax at the birth of the sun god. You know, Tammuz or whatever you wanted to call them. Roman courts were closed and Roman law dictated that no one could be punished for damaging property or injuring people during the week-long celebration. You could do whatever you wanted. Didn't they just have a movie about that? Where, like, there was, like, one night of the year or something where you could go and kill whoever you wanted to kill, and it was and it was lawful? Well, I wonder where they got that, that tradition from, that movie, that's kind of like a precursor of, of, of things, you know, most likely they come. They're, they're trying to revive Saturnalia. The festival began when Roman authorities chose an enemy of the Roman people to represent the, quote, Lord of Misrule. Each Roman community selected a victim who they forced to indulge in food and other physical pleasures throughout the week. At the festival's conclusion, December 25th, Roman authorities believed that they were destroying the forces of darkness by brutally murdering this innocent man or woman. That really makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, that's just the logic behind that. How could you argue with that? The ancient Greek writer, poet, and historian Lucian, in his dialogue entitled Saturnalia, describes the festival's observance in his time. In addition to human sacrifice, he mentions three customs. Widespread intoxication, going from house to house while singing naked. Christmas carols, okay, widespread intoxication, well, you, you've got a lot of that. Human sacrifice... Probably coming back to that, burning the Yule log, you know, which is where that, you know, that whole uh, sacrificial thing is there. Rape and other sexual license. It was the time of, of absolutely unbridled sexual debauchery. Okay, that was what Saturnalia was marked by. And consuming human-shaped biscuits. 
like gingerbread man type thing. In the fourth century, Catholicism imported the Saturnalia festival, hoping to take the pagan masses in with it. Catholic leaders succeeded in converting to Catholicism large numbers of pagans by promising them that they could continue to celebrate the Saturnalia as Christians. Absolutely, that's where it started. That's where it came in in the Catholic Church, and 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 the mess that we have on our hands today with Xmas, okay, is exa- it started there. I mean, granted, yeah, you can go back before and say start Saturnalia, but I'm talking about where it was quote Christianized. This is where it started. The Catholic leaders named Saturnalia's concluding day, December 25th, to be Jesus' birthday. It was the concluding day of Saturnalia. That's why you could say, yeah, but Yule's a different date. It's the actual, well, it's the actual winter solstice. But the whole pagan festival was, you know, a, cumula- a culmination of about a week long. And, and, and its, it's, its conclusion was on December 25th. Sol Invictus. Dies Natalis Solus Invicti, birthday of the unconquered sun, the rebirth of... The birth date of the unconquered sun, the birth date of the sun god, essentially. Sol Invictus, in this particular case with Roman, the Roman Saturnalia. The sun god. December 25th was a Roman civil holiday, also honoring the cult of Sol Invicta, with its origins in Syria and the monotheistic cult of Mithras. Christmas, the Mass of Christ. In the 5th century, the Western Church ordered it to be celebrated forever on the day of the Roman feast, Sol Invictus. Stephen Nissenbaum, professor of history at the University of Massachusetts, Amherst, writes, quote, In return for ensuring massive observance of the anniversary of the Savior's birth, by assigning it to this resonant date, the Catholic Church, for its part, tacitly agreed to allow the holiday to be celebrated more or less the way it had always been. The earliest Christmas holidays were celebrated by drinking, sexual indulgence, singing naked in the streets, a precursor of modern caroling. Some of the most depraved customs of the Saturnalia Carnival were intentionally revived by the Catholic Church in 1466, when Pope Paul II forced Jews to race naked through the streets of the city. An eyewitness account reports... Oh, the infallible... Another infallible Pope. You know? The whole doctrine of papal infallibility. They're the vicar of Christ on earth, which is what they proclaim themselves to be. That means the replacement for Jesus Christ on earth. Yeah, that's really... That's a great example. That's really operating in sinless perfection there. You know... Totally restoking, I mean, re-engaging and, and bringing back these, the, the worst parts of Saturnalia. Leave it to the Roman Catholic Church to do that. Well, before they were to run, the Jews were richly fed, so as to make the race more difficult for them, and at the same time more amusing for the spectators. They ran amid Rome's taunting shrieks and peals of laughter, while the Holy Father stood upon a richly ornamented balcony and laughed heartily. Wow, what a great unholy father he was. Standing richly ornamented, he stood on a balcony and laughed heartily. I mean, yet one more papal devil. Absolute total evidence of that. And again, it's all ignored. 
in the Catholic Church, all of this debaucherous, disgusting, despicable behavior throughout time, the 50 million plus martyrs from the Inquisitions alone, and it's probably at least double that, the, the army and legions of pedophile priests, you could go on and on and on. Indulgences, basically saying, you know what, doc or, or priesty boy, I want to go rape that little girl. Okay, well here, you pay the Catholic Church this indulgence, and you're free to do so. And you're absolved of all sin because you paid it, you paid ahead of time. That's an indulgence. They really did that. They probably still do it. Just more behind closed doors. I mean, the worshipping of all these dead bodies and saints and fingers and toes and all of this garbage that they do, the praying to all of these saints that there's no Bible for whatsoever, the confessing to priests, there's no Bible for that. The whole doctrine of limbo and um, purgatory, no Bible for any of that. The whole getting to heaven through keeping the seven sacraments and this type of garbage, which is an absolute affront and offense to the Bible. That's how you earn your way into heaven, through works. It's all lies. It's, 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 this is a rotten, filthy, rotten devil cult. That's all the Catholic Church ever was, and it's all it ever will be. As part of the Saturnalia Carnival throughout the 18th and 19th centuries, rabbis of the ghetto in Rome were forced to wear clownish outfits and march through the city streets to the jeers of the crowd, pelted by a variety of missiles. When the Jewish community of Rome sent a petition in 1836 to Pope Gregory XVI, begging him to stop the annual Saturnalia abuse of the Jewish community, he responded, It is not opportune to make any innovation. It was during the period of the ascendancy of the Roman Empire that Christ Mass originated. Consequently, we find that pagan Roman customs played the major part in fixing its date and characteristics. Remember, it was the Roman Catholic Church. This was a Roman custom, pagan custom, repackaged and Christianized to fit the Roman Catholic faith, the Saturnalia. So remember that as well. Its general season, however, was later found to coincide with important religious superstitions of the North European barbarians, who also worshipped the sun and marked the solstice. And this too played a large part in its development. And this is where we're going to get into more the bringing in of Satan Claus and all of these other Nordic traditions then, that were then also amalgamated into this holiday, which is where we get a lot of the pagan traditions now of Christmas trees and, and the wreaths and the lights. And, and, and that is all from, from the, Nor not maybe all, but a lot of that is from the Nordic end of it. Okay, the Nor Nordic pagan uh, druidic customs. Hoats. Christmas fact and fancy. The Catholic Encyclopedia itself says, quote, The well-known solar feast of Natalis Invicti, celebrated on December 25th, has a strong... Sol, Sol Invi Invictus is what they're in reference to, Nat Nat Natalis Invicti. ...unclaim for the responsibility of our Christmas date. The Encyclopedia Americana says... In the 5th century, the Western Church ordered Christmas to be celebrated forever on the day of the old Roman feast of the birth of Sol. Sol Invictus. Okay, so I mean, this is like, uh, this isn't really up for debate. Okay, this is what, I mean, there's, you know, the Encyclopedia Americana. I mean, the other was the Catholic Encyclopedia. This isn't something they're like trying to hide. They're, t they're openly admitting to this. Christmas seems to have first appeared in the Roman Church after the middle of the 4th century. 
At a somewhat later period, it spread into Eastern Asia. It was not received with equal readiness by all the churches. Some denounced it as an innovation. It was not till the 6th century that anything like unanimity prevailed as to the day to be observed. From the Abbot Conant Dictionary of Religious Knowledge, after the barbarians were Christianized, all the customs and superstitions which had belonged from time immemorable to their own Yuletide began to cluster about Christmas. So that's the barbarians that were Christianized. Okay, they, they would just amalgamate their... It's just like, okay, if you go to Haiti, and you've got 90% of the people down there are Catholics, but yet 99% practice voodoo. Now, this is according to statistics I cited. I don't know what it is now. It's probably about the same. But those were statistics that Haiti admitted to. Well, why? You would think that if if um, Catholicism was so holy, what 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 would it have in common with this voodoo, this overt, very high level, dark, pagan witchcraft of voodoo? What would it have to do? Well, they're, they're totally compatible. You've got your gods you're praying to. You, they've got their idols they're praying to. They just amalgamate it all together. It's a works-based devil death cult, just like Catholicism. And they're very compatible with one another. And that's what they do. And this is what what how... Catholicism was rolling with the punches and was amalgamating um, other pagan traditions so that they could bring more people into their black death cult and not offend them. They didn't have any, but Satan doesn't have any problem uh, amalgamating and assimilating more paganism into its false religions. He encourages that. That's near and dear to his black heart. When the season calls up in the mind, crackling fires on the hearth, lighted candles, rooms adorned with evergreens, bright berries and flowers, feast and frolic, these are the genuine pagan elements. The manner in which this festival came to be observed in the Romish church, and through it to the other churches, is as follows. In this season of the year, a series of heathen festivals occurred. These festivals had an import which easily admitted of being spiritualized and transformed into a Christian sense. First came the Saturnalia, which represented the Golden Age, and abolished for a while the distinction of ranks. Then came the custom peculiar to the season of making presents, afterwards transferred to the Christmas festival. There's where we get the presents for Christmas. After the Saturnalia came the festival of infants, Juvenalia, at which the children were presented with images. Presents to the children, essentially. Next came a festival still more analogous to Christmas, that of the shortest day, Brumalia. Now the shortest day would be the winter solstice, the height of winter solstice, because that would be the day we have the least amount of light. But that also is symbolic of the day that the days start to lengthen. The winter solstice, the birthday of the new sun, about to return once more toward the earth. Hence the celebration of the Nativity of Christ was transferred to December 25th. In the Romish Church, Christmas is a very high festival. From the Abbot Conant Dictionary of Religious Knowledge... I mean, that by itself. Look at what a prized holiday it is to the Roman Catholic Church. If it's something that they hold so near and dear, that by itself, knowing all of the evil 
that spawns from the Catholic Church. That should give you a lot of pause. That one thing, if we didn't even look at anything else that we're looking at today, with all the other amount of overwhelming facts regarding this unholy day, that should give you a lot of pause. That one point alone. In New England, for the first two centuries of white settlement, most people did not celebrate Christmas. In fact, the holiday was systematically suppressed by Puritans during the colonial period and largely ignored by their descendants. It was actually illegal to celebrate Christmas in Massachusetts between 1659 and 1681. The fine was five shillings. Only in the middle of the 19th century did Christmas gain legal recognition as an official public holiday in New England. Stephen Nissenbaum, The Battle for Christmas. We have no superstitious regard for times and seasons. Certainly we do not believe in the present ecclesiastical arrangement called Christmas. First, because we do not believe in the Mass at all, but abhor it, whether it be sung in Latin or in English. And secondly, because we find no scriptural warrant whatever for observing any day as the birthday of the Savior, and consequently, its observance is a superstition, because not of divine authority. Superstition has fixed most positively the day of our Savior's birth, although there is no possibility of discovering when it occurred. It was not till the middle of the third century that any part of the church celebrated the nativity of our Lord, and it was not till very long after the Western Church had set the example that the Eastern adopted it. Probably the fact that the, quote, holy days were arranged to fit in with the heathen festivals. We venture to assert that if there be any day in the year of which we may be pretty sure that it was not the day on which the Savior was born, it is the 25th of December. Charles Spurgeon, from the sermon entitled, Joy born at Bethlehem, delivered on Sunday morning, December 24th, 1871. So he preached that sermon, and that's just an excerpt from it, on literally on the eve of December 25th, to punctuate and to emphasize the point that they, that they I mean, they did not observe this. That it was pagan, that it was not good. From the same sermon, How absurd to think we could do it in the spirit of the world, with a Jack Frost clown, a deceptive worldly Santa Claus, and a mixed program of sacred truth with fun, deception, and fiction. If it be possible to honor Christ in the giving of gifts, I cannot see how, while the gift, the giver, and recipient are all in the spirit of the world. The Catholics and High Church Episcopalians may have their Christmas one day in 365, but we have a Christ gift the entire year. Deuteronomy 12:31-32 Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God, for every abomination to the Lord, which he hateth, have they done unto their gods, for even their sons and their daughters they have burnt in the fire to their gods. What thing soever I command you, observe to do it, thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. Okay, so that, that is part one, and we're going to go ahead and play um, part two next. Okay, I, and i got to say this. I, I just checked my info I have on uh, on Xmas, and there's this video. I think I've... I can't really play it, because it's all, it's all words on the screen, and it's just... You're seeing images, you're seeing videos. It's only about four minutes long. I'm going to give a link to it in the, um, in the teaching uh, that I'm putting up here. Okay? 
but it's called Santa Unmasked Movie Trailer. And um, <laughs> what I said before about Krampus, well, this takes it all to a whole other level. Let me tell you. Um, this guy spent 35 years researching this, the guy that made this movie. And um, he's been investigating this stuff for 35 years about jolly old St. Nick. And he literally goes by helicopter to a lot of these places in what they call the old country. This is where we really got the whole St. Nicholas Krampus traditions. And they're still doing it. And it shows them in the streets, shows St. Nicholas coming, it shows the little kids screaming as these things are coming in the door. Krampus, these horn god black devils. Poor little thing. I'm watching this little girl right now and the little boy. They're just terrified. That's what they were. That is the abs- absolute real identity. The real foundation of Saint Nick. Who wasn't such a nice old man evidently. And they bring whips. And, and they're showing this real footage of what's going on in these streets. And I mean, I don't know where this is even at. He literally had to go by helicopter to reach a lot of these places because I think they're, you can't get to them by car. But see, that's better because it's more preserved through tradition. It hasn't, the, the, their, their traditions haven't been leavened. And I shouldn't say it's good, but I'm saying in order to get a real view of what we're looking at here, Okay, of, of, of the true origins. This, these are places that, that haven't been, that haven't been commercialized. And I mean, these things, I mean, the, the images that they're showing and, and these parades that they're having in the streets and they're going around and these, these creatures dressed up like Krampus and Saint Nick, particularly the ones dressed up like Krampus, um, are attacking a lot of people and they're literally whipping, they hit the girls, to, um, they're whipping them with these things to wake up their fertility. It's a fertility ritual as well. Okay? And it shows them doing this in the streets. It's like chaos. It's like, it's, it says riots break out. And I mean, this is some heinous, really dark, evil stuff that they're doing to this day, but probably in very, very isolated areas of, of the world where, where, um, you know, maybe you, you, um, can't get there by car. Maybe you maybe you have to um, take a helicopter. You can't get there by car in the winter, especially. And this is a whole little four minute video. This is this is their whole midwinter thing to bring back fertility. So I'm kind of just watching this as I'm talking to you, and it's it's kind of flashing up some captions along the way, and all of these images is I mean this is just wow dark dark, evil. Everything about it is dark and evil. There is nothing merry. There is nothing happy. There is nothing joyous. There is nothing, but it's it's more really, it's really more like Halloween than anything, as far as just the evil depiction that, that we're seeing here. Um, and there, I don't know, somewhere I guess you would say in the old country. Probably in I don't know. Eastern Europe, maybe, uh, who knows, maybe Scandinavia some places, maybe um, Russia. And this is a whole video called Santa Unmasked. And I'll give you a link to the actual um, the movie trailer. And um, 
all of the information about it. So I'm just going to read you a little bit from the website, SantaUnmasked.com. SantaUnmasked, one word, dot com. The news is this. Odin's army, the wild hunt, still exists. Not only the myth survived in several forms, but also the ritual. A Dutch reporter and a TV um, maker, um, Arnold John Shearer, got to know the black-faced sidekick of Odin, St. Nicholas, during his childhood in Holland. Black Peter still goes around here. It's not It's not written like perfectly, because I, I think there, something's getting a little bit lost in translation, but it says Black Peter still goes around here as the companion of St. Nicholas. That would be Krampus. Shear has continued playing the role numerous times himself during the Dutch St. Nicholas celebrations. He remains fascinated by the myth behind the feast. But what's more, he has discovered primitive and rural forms of the winter ritual uh, is still remaining in isolated parts of Europe, never been associated um, never never been associated with a myth. While other investigators studied the subject from behind the books in their libraries, he took trains, cars, and even helicopters and went climbing in search of remote villages within Europa. Some villages uh, before 150 old, some are uh, before 150 years were isolated. Were so isolated, they had almost no contact with the outside world. Where, where still, until this day, annual, primitive, and unknown St. Nicholas rituals are celebrated. But see, these are the ones that are in their most pure form. You know, they haven't been tainted by all the commercialism and things of this nature. Uh, these rituals can strongly differ from the feast rituals in more urban areas. Sheer discovered throughout these travels in places in Europe and even his own country the thin lines connecting these rites to the ancestors of Europeans and many Americans. The myth and the ritual forms annually celebrated by the ancient Europeans became mixed with other traditions during and after the Middle Ages. Remember what I said about being amalgamated, assimilated? Well, this is what we're talking about here. They became uh, mixed with other traditions during and after the Middle Ages through the influence of, guess who, the Roman Catholic Church, with the Bishop of Myra. Um, nowadays, Turkey, the bishop died around 340 A.D. And... Um, Meanwhile, this cult, he calls it a cult, reached northwestern Europe via the Rhine and the sea, later arriving in Holland in its capital, Amsterdam, one of the most wicked places on the planet. Much later, this cult came with the first Dutch settlers to the colony New Amsterdam or New York, where St. Nicholas, or known as Dutch as Sinterklaas, over the ages transformed into days in today's jolly old St. Nick. Um... So this is a guy that, this is like really, really, really hands-on. This guy, I mean, went all out in order to get this, um, get this footage. Now, this has been out for a long time. This was originally released, this trailer that I just watched in 2009. I don't think he's ever been able to get funding for this. Um, there's the trailer, there's a book. But I don't think he's ever actually been able to get funding. And who knows what kind of, of uh, uh, resistance he might be getting to this. Because, I mean, this is, uh, I'll tell you what, this is really heavy-duty compelling evidence regarding this stuff. That can be, you can go there and document it, you know, and, and see what the true origins of this stuff was. So, anyway, I'm going to go ahead and put this little bit of information into the PDF for this date for... Uh, um, 12-14-2014, and so you can have that at 
to reference as well. You might want to watch the trailer on this thing, because it is, if you have kids, I don't know, that's probably not something you want to show them, because it's, it's really, 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 really creepy stuff. I gotta read you one more thing here. This is, this is from his homepage, and, um, beyond the Feast of St. Nicholas lays a rather frightening Indo-European myth. Odin's army of dead warriors, the Wild Hunt. These warriors, who supposedly died on the battlefields, inhabited the imaginations of ancient Europeans. During the bleak winter months and severe December storms, especially during Christmas time. Now, remember, what we're talking about here is not the Roman contribution of Saturnalia, the the, the paganization of 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 that part. That part was was brought in mostly through Rome and through the Roman Catholic Church. This is the contribution of like the Nordic end of it, where we get the the traditions of um, like elves and, and Santa Claus and reindeers and and all of that other garbage that goes along with it. Okay, so this is that side of it. Uh, so uh, during the bleak winter months and severe winter. December storms, especially during Christmas time, the pre-Christian 12 days of Yule, the wild noise of breathing horses, the howling of wolves, and the clattering of arms was heard by farmers and shepherds in the field. In front of the army of the dead flew an old bearded mantled man on a white horse, this was St. Nick, armed with a spear and followed by wolves, ravens, and men with black, soot-blackened faces. Okay, this is where we get the tradition from. Surviving under many guises and names, one thing remained consistent. His arrival was a necessity. He brought gifts and fertility. Remember what I said? They were they were the Krampus characters were chasing these women in the streets and beating them with these these little whip things they had made. He brought gifts and fertility, welfare, plentiful crops, as well as bounties of fruits and nuts. Okay, so you can see about the exchanging of gifts. Gimme, 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 gimme. What am I going to get? Okay, which is what we see with Christmas. As the tradition has it, he communicated through the chimneys, riding his white horse or reindeer through the skies, along with his black-faced sidekick named Black Peter, or Krampus, using his rod of fertility. Krampus had the rod of fertility. So see, you had to, you had to make a deal with the devil, this, this disgusting, horned, uh, hairy, black... Uh, devil from the pit of hell, Krampus, you had to let him beat you, you had to let him have his pound of flesh in order for you to be insured of good fertility. And can you imagine the curse that would be on the baby? If you did did conceive? Oof, bad stuff. Holland played a major role in the spread of St. Nicholas, or Sinterklaas, this cult. Odin's army still exists, not only in myth, but also in ritualistic practices. And, um, he, uh, He's showing here the um, uh, just a lot of the things here. So I'm, I'm just looking at some of the resources he has here. Uh, unbelievable stuff. Okay, so I'm out, of, I'm out of time for part one. I was hoping to kind of get it all in the first part, but I still have to play uh, a lot of part two of the uh, Xmas teaching from Brian and then some other things. So... I'm going to go ahead and part one, and we'll go to part two next. God bless you. Scott Johnson's 800-plus audio teachings and PDF documents are available for free 24-7 on the Internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G 
for F-O-R, truth, T-R-U-T-H dot com. In addition, we also offer a free Christian current event and health email newsletter. You can sign up at contendingfortruth.com. These email newsletters typically only generate about three to six emails per month if you subscribe to both lists. Please prayerfully help us to continue this work. For mail correspondence or to support this ministry, our mailing address is 2359 Highway 70 Southeast, box number 321, Hickory, North Carolina, 28602. Or on the internet, a PayPal donation link can be found at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.